Welcome to The Pemberley Podcast, a podcast where we discuss modern-day Jane Austen adaptations. Now covering Emma Approved, I'm Jillian Davis. I'm Yolanda Rodriguez. Keep up with us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at The Pemberley. You can help support our running costs on patreon.com slash thepemberley. And if you have any questions or comments, email us at thepemberleypodcast at gmail.com. Welcome back, everyone, to another fabulous episode of The Pemberley Podcast. This week, we're talking about the Emma-approved revival, which we just learned in case you missed last week's interview with Diane Hutton. Unfortunately, they didn't reach a thousand patrons, so they will not continue with Emma 2.0. It's sad. We're bummed about it. We're really bummed about it. <laughs> we had been planning to have Diane on for a while, and we had finally locked in that date, and then the news broke. And so we were kind of all also in mourning. <laughs> yeah. So. It's, it's sort of funny, though, because I know in the past we've joked that we're like Jane Austen breaking news. It's just so happened that like <laughs> big announcements in the Emma Approved world have happened the same week we set up interviews yeah, with people. It's been very convenient for us. It's I know. great. <laughs> breaking news, everybody. Yeah. But just because the new Emma isn't continuing doesn't mean that we are not going to have people still on. We're still, we're still going to do more interviews with cast and writers from the show. So we're still excited to see what comes next for, for that part. Just because Emma Approved stops doesn't mean we do. No. <laughs> yes. We're just going to keep going. Yeah, because we're, we're going to cover the rest of new Emma. And then obviously we're still going to, we still have a lot of episodes to yeah. cover for season one Emma. We took so. a huge break on season one Emma because you were on vacation. <laughs> yes. So we just filled it up with costume theater. Yeah, which was a lot of fun. Yes. So if you haven't listened to those episodes, we played the card game Marrying Mr. Darcy. I No spoilers. <laughs> one of us gets married. And the other one... Gets to be an old maid. Also, you know, it doesn't matter who it was. Uh, like, we don't care anymore. No. We're over it. <laughs> no spoilers. <laughs> no spoilers. But also, we, like, paid, played the Emma expansion pack. And I feel like that kind of ended badly for both of us. Only because we didn't give ourselves enough cards to play with. Yeah. We, like... Yeah chose how so, many we'd need and know, we were wrong just make sure if you get the game which i highly recommend read the rules <laughs> thoroughly thoroughly and give yourself plenty of time and use yeah. all the cards like i think it's it's a lot it was a lot of fun just playing with you but yeah. i think getting more people into play and you giving yourself a lot of time it's gonna be a lot of fun so yeah. highly recommend especially with the holidays coming up yeah you guys play it with your family yeah <laughs> even if they don't care yeah exactly because <laughs> they won't care as much as you but that's fine <laughs> So let's get into the books that we're currently reading. Jillian, what are you reading right now? I'm going first because I literally, I'm like five pages into this book, so I don't have much to discuss. Okay. But it's called Truth or Beard by Penny Reed, and it's part of a series involving kind of the same characters in that world. And what it's sort of basically about is this girl who's known these twin brothers her whole life, and the two boys couldn't be more different. One of them is really outgoing and really flirtatious. She's had a huge crush on him, Hmm. but one night she mistakes his sort of Darcy-esque taciturn brother for him, and she finds herself weirded out by the fact that she's attracted to him and it's i mean they're identical twins right. but like she's still like i thought i hated your guts and i thought you hated my guts and so it's just that's all i know and i'm in it and i'm sort of meeting her and she's got a big truck cool. and <laughs> that's all i can really say about okay. it but i'm really looking forward to it penny reed is a really popular sort of romance author cool. and i'm excited to get into that world 
And I'm currently reading Simon and the Homo Sapiens Agenda by Becky Albertalli. And then I watched the movie after reading that, which is more known as Love, Simon. And Oh, that's the same book. Yes, okay. yes, yes. So That came just, out this summer. Yeah, it yeah, did. It yeah. just came out this year. I have not seen it yet. And basically the premise is that there's this high school kid named Simon who is closeted and no one else knows that he's gay. And he starts to communicate with someone else in his school who on this like anonymous sort of blog has posted from their school has posted like I'm gay and like there's no one else out there like me and he starts to message that person through like a private email account like they're both anonymously communicating Mm -hmm. and like kind of relating to each other and someone blackmails him finding those emails and is like hey I know your secret, basically. So there's this whole thing, but... What do they try and get out of him? Or is that, like, spoiling something? Because, like, what would you... If you're blackmailing someone, they have something you want, you know? you know what? In the book, it's, like, page one. But in the movie, it's a little bit further down the line. So there's actually quite a lot of differences, not in a bad way, between the book and the movie. In the book, page one is, like, you're finding out Simon's being blackmailed. Oh, wow. In the movie, it's, like, maybe 20-ish, 30-ish minutes in. Okay. So in the in the book, it's already – his conversation and kind of friendship with this other gay kid in the school is already in progress mm-hmm. versus in the movie – And it makes more sense in the movie that he finds the post and he starts to message this person and he starts to form that friendship with them. Mm -hmm. So I guess the timing is just different in in both the book and the movie, but it's still like the same idea. And it's just like another classmate who's blackmailing him to get the attention of like a friend of his, a girl who mm-hmm. he likes and, like, wants to go out with sort of thing. Uh, so that's why. So he's, why. like, leveraging the relationship. Yeah, and okay. he's like, so you're blackmailing me? He's like, no, I'm just using the information I have. So he's like, you're blackmailing <laughs> me. <laughs> so, like, this kid is awful, and you know, he doesn't even realize how awful he is. Oh, no. You know, because, like, obviously threatening to, like, out someone yeah. for your own advancement of romantic relationships. Yeah, that's awful. Yeah, so you can <laughs> trick someone into liking you? Yeah. That's not... Well, but you don't know that when you're 16. I you're know. like, this is how the world works. I, yeah, and sometimes you convince yourself that's how it works. Dumb boys. Un- <laughs> <laughs> yep. But it's a really fun book. And it's, I think, even if, because there are a lot of differences with the movie, I think it's individually, they're both really good. So I don't think you can compare them too closely. Mm-hmm. But you have, if you watch the movie, you're going to have a good time watching the movie. If you read the book, you're going to have a good time reading the book. So recommend okay both of them. So moving on from that, we want to talk about our favorite little place, Jasna. Uh, the Jane Austen Society of North America. Yeah. Bow, bow, bow. They always do fun events throughout the year, whether you're in Southern California or another part of the US. They always they have chapters everywhere that they do lots of fun meetings and lots of cool programs that they have. Something that the overall organization is doing is an essay contest. This is open to high school, college, and grad students. But not students of life. No, not us. <laughs> you we have are. to, if you're paying tuition. Yeah. If you're it's paying for tuition you. and you're looking for a scholarship and you love Jane Austen, this is perfect for you. It's for 2019 and the topic is about North Anchor Abbey. So if you want more information, you can go to jasna.org to find out more info about how to enter, uh, what the requirements are, and the deadline is June 3rd, 2019. So you have time. You have time to enter. Yeah. First place gets you a $1,000 scholarship. And... 
free registration, and two nights lodging for Jasmine's upcoming annual general meeting. So a lot of good incentives there. So check out more information, jasmine.org. Enter. Hope you win. So, as mentioned at the beginning of our housekeeping, we are talking about the Emma-approved revival, episodes three and four. Yes. Let's dive right in to episode three, Irreconcilable Differences, written by Julie Liu. We finally get to see B-Mart. Yeah, he's been non-existent to us for episodes one and two. He's been mentioned. We know he and Harriet broke up. Yeah. And we get to see his changed face. It's funny <laughs> It's funny because we talked to James Bren Isaacs before this episode was released. So I forgot that it was supposed to be a shock that he right. looked different because I was like, oh, I guess him. <laughs> yeah. So I guess it's like a post-breakup B-Mart of like, she's just letting himself go and has a beard now, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> So Bimar is new to this documentary setup as well, kind of trying to navigate all that. Deer in the headlights is what he looked like. He was like stirring soy milk into his coffee and just like looking up at everyone like, so uh, what's going on here? What's new with you? Uh, What kind of camera do you use? (laughs) I guess this is where we get official confirmation, right? That they're not together. Because we had speculation in episodes one and two. Very heavy handed speculation where Harriet's like, breakups are hard. Yeah. And so yeah, this is the first. This is like the first like official notice. Beemart and Harriet are not together. So it's been a few weeks since Harriet and I broke up. Not like it's weird we see each other on a nearly daily basis. So at the beginning, we see what their interaction is like, yeah. which is basically really awkward. They've yes. just, like, they've been together for five years and just broke up. Yeah, it seems like so fresh that they are not like a, an official couple, which like, if they were living together, it must have been the weekend before, I guess, that he's moved yeah. out or she's moved out or what's going on. So it's like, maybe they're still figuring it out too. Maybe there's stuff still at her place of his and different things like that. So they're in very tricky territory right now and very. having to see each other every day. Side note, B-Mart is back on the market, everybody. <laughs> I just want it said. And now it's been said. Yeah, it's just sort of, we're learning about the awkwardness between them because they sit at the same conference table it's for It's so weird. Why don't they have their own desks? Oh my goodness. It's it's a weird situation. Give Harriet her own desk. I like, know. She's been there for five years. If, if the series were to continue, I would say you and I should start an online campaign. Like, give Harriet her own desk. I know. She deserves an office. Yeah. And what's oh, so what's funny about that is it's you know really awkward. I mean, Emma approved is those four people. Yeah. But now there's Mr. Collins who's yeah. in the mix and he's keeping his good friend B Mart company. Like it's weird that they have a lot in common. Well yeah, they kind of meet and B Mart's trying to piece together like who are you? What's going on? Like why are you so excited to be here? Mm-hmm. And yeah, kind of through their conversation they realize like how much they have in common, how like much of like bro friends they're going to be. Quit very quickly, Beamart's like, I like this guy. I like I he's excited to be at work again, which is nice because like right now, work for him is just like, oh great, that reminder that Harriet's there and my heart's broken and everything sucks. But with Collins there, it's like, oh, I have something to kind of look forward to when I'm going to work. And I mean he sort of says it in the episode when he's like, Alex is really busy with board meeting stuff. Yeah. So like that was his like bro friend at the office. I, I mean it's interesting because 
naturally Emma took on Harriet as like this mentee to like yeah. guide her and be there for her and build up her confidence. Knightley isn't really like that natural person to, to look at B-Mart and be like, I'm going to mentor you and I'm going to no. build you up. He's just like, no, I've got my work. I'm very busy. And B-Mart knows what he's doing. So he's good. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that line kind of points to the fact that like B-Mart's kind of been on his own for these past five years of working at this company because he's just doing his work in his own little wherever. Mm -hmm. And Knightley's also doing his own work because he's, like, got a lot to worry about. Yeah, and I think Emma sort of naturally takes a bigger interest in how Harriet is doing. Right. Because, you know, she's like, she's like, it's little Emma. How is little Emma doing? Yeah. And so everyone kind of forgets about B-Mart. And, that he's got, and it's I mean, it's sad because it feels like he's the more heartbroken party. <laughs> well, that's the conversation between Emma and Knightley where um, she's like, well, what if Harriet walked in? Emma, mm-hmm. we talked about this. We have to support them both equally because they are both our friends. Right. No, of course. Harriet is little Emma to Emma. So it's like, protect her at all costs. Yeah. Essentially, we find out what happened. Um, B-Mart to, you know, to keep it short and sweet for Collins, he says it's irreconcilable differences, which right. I know like half the news is that B-Mart and Harriet broke up. Right. We want to know why because yeah. they're the perfect couple. I mean, the yeah. only thing keeping them apart at the beginning of their courtship was Emma. You know, it was like right. her convincing Harriet that she doesn't really like him and it didn't work because they were that meant to be together. Mm-hmm. And so it, I actually think this is like when they said it, I was like, yeah, I can see this being a problem. We're basically with all the wedding stuff happening with Anne Elliot B-Mart was like, you know what? Maybe it's time. It's been five years. I should ask Harriet if she's, like, interested in getting married soon. And Harriet said no. Yeah. She was like, I don't think we should get married. I don't think we're right for each other. Or something like that. we don't know what she said. I'm just just assuming. Yeah, we just... But at least uh, from what we can tell, it's just that he's ready to get married and she's not. Yeah. And that's it. It ended very badly for the two of them because... Yeah, it's it's exactly the thing. Like, where do you go from there? It's not like, hey, I'm ready and you're not. Either he could have he could have said, you know what? I acknowledge that you're not ready, and that's fine. Like, we can just still be together. And you know, whether or not you'll be ready is like totally on your terms. But Bmart instead took that in a different way and was like, you're not ready. You don't believe in this relationship. You're throwing away five years, and boom, they're over. I mean, he definitely sees it that way. Yeah, because I mean, who knows? what happened in the conversation between them. But I wonder what else kind of got drudged up because it's like, I don't want to marry you. Oh, why? And then you have, you know? There was more to the conversation than just, yes, marriage, no marriage. So, And it's hard because it's not like either of them did something wrong. No. They've been happy as is. And he's like, okay, next step. And she's like, well, thank you. Yeah. So it's really, really sad. And I think because I think B-Mart feels doubly rejected because he was the one who brought it up and got shut down. Right. And it's not like Harry doesn't care about him still. It's just that he is the I one mean, who got rejected. It's interesting because if you look at it, I mean, from Harriet's perspective, because like B-Mart is like, I, he's ready to take that next step. But Harriet maybe, especially because she looks up to Emma so much, like, Emma's not married. Like, they're in a happy relationship. I want to know what's happening there, too. Right. (laughs) But, like, Emma's Emma's not married. They're happy together. They're working together. They have, like, this great relationship. And it doesn't seem, at least from these episodes, that marriage has come up, really, in in the Emma and Knightley relationship. So if, if Harriet really looks up to Emma, she's like, 
well, they're not married and they're fine. Like, that doesn't dictate what she's going to do with her own relationship. But she's like, well, like, why do we need to get married? Because, like, we're fine. We're happy and we're good. So that could also be, like, a a factor into her decision. I think you bring up a good point because it's easy for us to pinpoint Emma as the thing that kept them apart when they were getting together. Because we were like, she told Harriet that he wasn't good enough for her. Mm What's interesting about this is we see Emma when when Collins is asking B-Mart, why did you guys break up? And he's like, irreconcilable differences. We see Emma hiding behind the doorway, like desperate to know what happened yeah. because she had nothing to do with this step in the yeah. relationship. Yeah, yeah. So I guess it's an interesting question. Even though Emma had nothing directly to do with Harriet's decision not to marry B-Mart, did she indirectly influence her by like, like is, is Harriet just trying to model her life after Emma's too closely. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's it's an interesting thought-provoking question that is not answered it's in this. Not answered. <laughs> I felt really bad for B Mart when he's in the confessional and he's like a busy mind keeps you from thinking about your ex-girlfriend who sits right next to you. Just so weird. And then she like literally at, they're at the same table. Yeah. Because it's not like they stop caring about each other. Like, I think they still really like each other a lot. They still have feelings for each other. It's just, you know, you can tell your brain to, like, step back from this relationship, but your heart has to, like, play catch up for, like, a long time. Yeah. With that, let's go on to episode four, True Purpose, written by James Brent Isaacs. This is a very Collins-heavy episode. Yeah. We learn all about... So basically, Collins has come to Emma approved because he wants a change in his life. He wants a new job. And Emma's getting it for him. And I gotta say, she's, like, cashing in all her chips for him. Yeah. She's going all out. She Like, I didn't realize you could be at such a level where you tell someone you want that job and then they make <laughs> the meeting happen. I guess so, yeah. I think after her Anne Elliot failure, she is, like, really trying to bounce back in a big way and really trying to make this new career and new life change for Collins like really work. All of her energy is really just focused on Collins. There's hints of like Emma back to normal. She's so joyful. No, like she's happy. She's sparkling. Like she interrupts, like Knightley is in his confessional. He's like, oh, board meeting, blah, blah, blah. And then she comes in sparkling, (laughs) just like, ah, redemption. And everything's (laughs) going to be all sunny and happy. And I can't wait to move forward. And everything, like, you know, that scene from Finding Nemo when they wake up and the starfish is like, no, Pete. Yeah, Pete. Where she's like, good morning, everyone. The sun is shining. The birds are singing. The tank is clean. The tank is clean. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like something is off here. Yeah. And uh, it's so far right now, nothing. Yeah. So far, but, but they're, you know, they haven't noticed that the tank is clean. <laughs> <laughs> they, they haven't seen it yet. Yeah. yeah. And uh, we're about to get there. But Knightley's happy that she's happy because yeah. she has been miserable for months because she's not used to clients letting her down. Yeah. And she feels like she let her. And Elliot down. And so it's like a really big thing. So he's like, this could actually work. Like this whole I mean, Collins thing could like put her back on track. Yeah, we've, we think we've talked about it. How like this is what is what would have happened had the Annie and Ryan Weston wedding fallen apart. Mm-hmm. Like this is exactly what would have happened. It was like, just delayed. Yeah. <laughs> she was bound to fail eventually. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But like the failure that she's feeling like... This is exactly, like, what happens when Emma can't do what she does and pull everything together. It's just, like, life happens. These two people didn't want to be together. And she has to – 
she's not responsible for that, you know? It's like she did all she could to, like, make this beautiful wedding or whatever it was happen, but it just didn't work out. She's taking it so personally. (laughs) She does, and it kind of feeds back to the B. Martin Harriet thing. Like, she didn't have anything to do with, like, right. She's, like, just looking around and, like, checking in on everyone and is like, Knightley, what's wrong with Harriet and B. Mart? And he's like, Mm. you go do your job. (laughs) Well, and here's, so here's what's interesting, because she's basically, she has this whole thing set up for Collins, and she's like, look at all the jobs that you can have that I have contacts for and he's like he looks through one of them and he's like can I have a minute and she's like okay and <laughs> so she's everything. she goes to Knightley and she's like he needs a minute what's wrong I, I, I pulled all the stops for him what did I, I do know, wrong you know it's weird to see Emma so not Emma so yeah. unconfident in her abilities because she's she has all these great connections she has all these this great knowledge to really like help people and move them along in their careers but right now she's like second guessing everything and it's just very not emma i am offering the chance to grab his almost midlife crisis by the shoulders and shake it senseless and for me to re-establish my greatness it's very out of character for her and so it's kind of the same thing only it's not a romantic relationship it's like a job thing but she yeah. does come back and he he's honest with her he's like you did a great job the past the old me would love these interviews. And then the rest of us are left thinking, wait a minute, the old you? With whom are we speaking? And he wants to do something else with his life. And I actually think it's very bold of Collins to admit that he's not happy doing what he's happy because I feel like he's had such a big smile plastered on his face for like the whole time he's been doing this. And he's like, I've done it and now I want to try something else. And she's going to help him figure out what his life's purpose is now, which is huge. Yeah. I have no doubt she would be able to pinpoint my life's calling. But if she can't deduce what I need, I'm afraid to admit, I may move on. That's major. That's like so much pressure to put on a life coach. I mean, she is his life coach. So like, she should try to figure that out. But like, it's a lot of pressure on Emma to like, coming off a big failure. She's like, I really got to nail this. And especially since this is literally the first time he's saying, I I think I don't know what I want to do with my life. Yeah. Like, he hasn't even given her a chance to think about setting him up with other stuff. There's no real direction that he's kind of given her either. There's not like, oh, I I like tech, but I don't want to work in tech anymore. I want to work in this field. There's no indication about what he wants to go into. So she literally is having to, like, just go based off a few conversations, which is, like, a lot of pressure. <laughs> yeah, she's like, well... And, and a, like, what? A personality test, maybe. So Yeah, and I'm like, geez, she's, like, setting him up with new goals in life. Yeah. That's, like, which, no like, small... I don't think that's something another person can choose for it's you. It's tough for anyone to, like, if, if she lays out, here are your options, and he's like, oh, I don't know about these. Well, yeah, you gave her no <laughs> indication of what, what direction you want to go in life. So, like, how is she post- supposed to help you? I don't know. Emma's being too cautious about, like, how much to ask for from him, and he's just given her nothing. So it's like, this is, it feels like a little doomed to fail. <laughs> But will it be doomed? We will find out. Yeah. Soon enough. Yeah. Uh, In the meantime, let's jump to the comment. (laughs) I feel like it's- I know. Let's jump to the comments section now. That's it. We don't have to say when the episodes first aired because they just came out like a month ago. Let's start with comments for episode three, starting with Emma, different Emma, who (laughs) says, irreconcilable differences- That's just because Emma wasn't there to make their lives Emma approved. What I love about YouTube now is you can have emojis. And so it's the emoji where the lady's like slapping her hand over her face. (laughs) Like, are you kidding me? Nayara says, as much as I love Mr. Collins, please tell me he is he is not the only person from LBD that shows up. If I had a dizzy scene, I swear I wouldn't even know what to do. Same. 
Yeah, oh yeah. Beard Martin looks so sad. Makes me want to hug him. No, even better. Makes me want to see Harriet hugging him. I don't know. I think it was her that didn't want to get married. Let's see. But still love her though. Maybe she had a reason. So it's so interesting how Emma was able to keep her character development and still be all Emma approved. And I just want to add how glad I am for being able to follow the revival as it happens because I only discovered the first season after it was finished and that always made me sad. Now I get a chance to be a part of watching it in real time. I still can't believe well that's like somewhat sad i think this is a, a speaks to what a lot of the fans were feeling of yeah like, these two people who are so meant for each other look so sad now and it's sad to watch i mean but i also i like the part where she says that she gets to watch it in real time now yeah that's, that's even comments you and i've gotten on this podcast that like people didn't find out about the series until after it aired right. so this is the closest it'll come to airing live exactly michael says those paper cranes weren't for nothing. In all caps. In all caps. This is, our interview with Dan was the second time the cranes have been cited as the most romantic thing I've ever heard of. Comments for episode four. Mallory says, maybe he wants a new romance? Emma has offered matchmaking services before, and he did mention breaking off his engagement, although Mr. Collins can't just expect Emma to read his mind. She's good, not psychic. That's Thank you. good point. He Very keeps, poignant. He keeps bringing up the breakup. He's like, we severed ties. I have no contact with her. And maybe he is trying to drop hints. So he's like, and I want... Sure, I'm here for your life coaching skills, but I'm also here for your matchmaking skills. I mean, matchmaking is a part of life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, don't hide. I'm really curious to see who Emma would set Mr. Collins up with. I know. Like, who's his perfect match? Like, is there someone in, like, in the Emma world? I don't think so. Let's think about it. Because who would it be? Jane Fairfax would kind of be the only one, but, like... Well, it's interesting. Well, she can't, because... I know... I'll, I'll never forget, like, the moment in the Pride and Prejudice movie, like, 2005, where, like, Collins asks Lizzie to marry him, and she's like, no. Yeah. And she runs out, and all her sisters run out laughing hysterically, but Mary stays behind and just kind of, like, looks at him like she's re- she feels really bad for him. Mm-hmm. So, like, he ended up with Charlotte in the right. book. But do you think there's potential in Mary Bennett? Because, like, the thing is, he talks so much. I feel like he needs someone who's a good listener. Um, like, he, he can't have like, someone who's like him. He needs his opposite. Like Mary Bennett from the web series? I don't think I'm trying so. to think that that is not a good match. Yeah. But but I get what you're, like, yeah. personality-wise of what... She's the, the closest book, I can think of. What of. The, in the book, like, yeah, I think maybe they would have been a good match. But she was also quite younger. So he, need, well, he, so he needs someone tough. And he needs someone who's a good listener. Yeah. And I guess I just can't really think about who that describes right now. Who would also be willing. Because it's a lot of putting up with stuff, you know? But I think Collins is the kind of guy who would, like, be a good boyfriend. Right. You know, when he's with the right person. Neverland Runaway says, Redemption! It will never not be funny. Be true. And Zikra says, well, Emma, you are a matchmaker and Collins is single. Is it really that hard to figure that out, Emma? Great episode, though. I had to try so hard not to burst out laughing when they cut to Ricky (laughs) in the hammock. That was unusual. A man in a suit in the hammock. hammock. It's very funny. It's interesting. I mean, yeah, Emma's, I feel like she is more known for her matchmaking skills. And it is weird that she hasn't at least brought it up with Collins. It's funny that everyone else clearly sees it. Right. But like Emma, the one, sometimes the more obvious things for Emma aren't the things she thinks about immediately. So be true. So for some reason, she's focused. She's really just focusing on the life coaching part, not so much the matchmaking. Well, we'll see what his dream job is. Yeah. Do purpose. 
Let us know if you can think of anyone from fiction or real life who you think is Colin's perfect match, like romantically. If there's anyone within Jane Austen literary world or other wherever else. We will also brainstorm. Yeah, let's all brainstorm who we think would be a good match for Mr. Collins. Tweet us, send us an email, message us wherever. We'll talk about it. We're here. We're around. (laughs) This episode has been Pemberley Podcast Approved. Approved.